Thank you for listening to the Faith Bible Church podcast. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit us at faithbiblemd.org. Let's just uh, turn our time and attention over to the Lord now as we look into his word. Thank you, Jesus, for coming uh, so long ago to be our Savior and our Lord. And Lord, we thank you for the truths that we find in your word, the promises that are there as the kids are articulating them in their, in their, in their, in the verses they were reading and the songs they were singing. Lord, may we now look to your word, understand these truths and apply them to our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Isaac, even regarding things to come. Amen. All right, that's it. I just, I got stuck right there on that verse, and that's all I could do today. Back in 2004, I was 33 years old, married with three little kids, Decided to reboot my life, quit my job, leave my country, go back to school for three years and restart my career. We really didn't have much to work with. We had uh, no savings. We had decent credit. So we managed for three years, surviving off of one small income, credit cards, student loans, and the love of family. And then we got out of school. And at 36 years of age, I started down here. I felt like I was back in my 20s, you know, when I first got out of college and trying to get my job going, and I had a student loan, and had to set up a household, except now it's 13 years later, and I had way less time to put it all back together, and then family of five to worry about. So we came down here, and we bought a house just before the housing market crashed. Had to wait, uh, had we waited a year, prices would have been way lower, but we bought high, and then stayed underwater uh, with big interest rates. Kind of was feeling like the clock was ticking. Like I was behind, 13 years behind, $360,000 in debt. I'm telling you this to not have you feel sorry for me. I'm telling you this for the sake of many folks in here who feel kind of overwhelmed with their financial situations. Some people are looking for work and it's very stressful. Some people are trying to figure out housing and it's very bleak right now. Some people are looking at all the obstacles and feeling discouraged. You work hard and it just seems to evaporate so quickly. Those student loans are out there hanging like a, like a guillotine over your neck. You know, those are eventually going to drop those on you. Health insurance problems, car problems, housing problems, inflation. You feel jinxed and cursed. Well, let me give you the bad news first, and then I'll give you some good news. You're feeling jinxed and cursed because you are. Does it seem like all these forces are colluding against you to make your life harder and miserable? Well, I'm not surprised you feel that way because that's exactly what is happening. But don't get depressed. Don't stop listening. If you hang in here and listen carefully, we will learn how to overcome curses and how to get the blessings. So no fire and brimstone today. This morning, we want to learn about blessings. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26, verse number one. This is about Isaac. Got into Isaac, so I had to study him. There was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine that had occurred the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. 
The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For you and your descendants, I will give all these lands, and I will will establish the oath which I spoke to you and your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and give your descendants all these lands and by your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac lived in the land of Gerar. Okay, so right out the gate, we see the whole land has a problem. What's the problem? Famine, famine. Time and again, Scripture says famine is attributed to an act of God. Why? Well, what causes famine? No rain. Who controls the rain? God. That's God's department, and everyone in the Old Testament agrees to that, but they don't always agree which God exactly controls it. Most of the Old Testament, the nations around Israel believed Baal controlled the rain. So they worshiped and they sacrificed to Baal. And when Israel rejected God's commands and worshiped the Baal, God sent famine to make a point. Baal doesn't control the rain. The more you worship him, the greater the famine's going to be. But even in the best of times, when the weather is ideal for growing, when the economy is good and interest rates are, are low and stocks are rising and gas prices are low, even in the best of times, there's always a curse. We know this. From Genesis chapter 3, God said to Adam, because you listened to the voice of your wife and eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you eat of it all the day of your life. Thorns and thistles shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face. You will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust." Things are working against us. Our survival existence requires toil and labor, work and service. Forever, people have been scheming, get-rich-quick schemes, how to make lots of money fast, as much as possible in least amount of time, least amount of effort. And some people get lucky in that department. There are outliers, there's exceptions. But I'll tell you this, at the end of the day, there is no way around the fact that if you want money, you're going to have to work for it. You provide good service to people and then they will pay you. Sitting around trying to figure out how to get something for nothing, thinking you ought to be given money but offer no service is flat out contrary to the will of God. The curse says we work to survive and if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So if it seems like it is a struggle to live, it is because we're under a curse. And why is that? Sin. Adam and Eve's disobedience resulted in this curse, and it's on all of creation in some places, and some people it's on them more than others. We see an example of this in the life of Isaac. Verse 26, chapter 26, verse 1, famine in the land. Previous, this one, this is a famine besides the previous one in the days of Abraham. So this is another famine. Seems like weather's always been a problem. I wonder if the people back then... Blamed it on climate change. Ooh, think about that. In the Old Testament, the pagans, the heathen said, how do we get the weather to act the way we want it? Oh, we'll just sacrifice to the gods. And nowadays, climate change, how do we get the weather to act the way we want it? 
we sacrifice our taxes and our luxuries to the high priest at the United Nations. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Another famine. So the reasonable solution for Isaac is to leave the land and go to Egypt where there's stability. And often when things are hard financially, we think, well, maybe we ought to go somewhere else. And sometimes that is helpful. Houses are expensive here. You know what the average house costs in Gary, Indiana? $100,000. Way lower than what they are around here. Maybe we ought to move to Gary, Indiana. But you know what's high in Gary, in Gary Indiana? The murder rate is highest in the nation. Unemployment rate's real high. Divorce is real high. Crime rates are extremely high. Education standards are real low in Gary. Sometimes moving's a good idea. Sometimes it isn't. When Joseph took Mary and baby Jesus to Egypt, it was a good move. When the Jerusalem survivors took Jeremiah to Egypt, it wasn't a good move. For a time, it was a good move for the children of Israel with Joseph to go to Egypt, but then once they were enslaved, it wasn't such a good idea after all. My point is, when famine hits, when economic hardship hits, there is no one right answer, no one-size-fits-all solution that works every time for everyone. You know, buy land, buy gold, eliminate debt. No, don't worry about debt. You know, collect stuff because with inflation, assets go up. I know, it's contradicting, conflicting. Remember in 2020 when uh, everyone ran out and was hoarding hand sanitizer and toilet paper? Remember that moment? It seemed really wise to do that. And now some people are still trying to use up all their stockpiles. Don't worry about that because last time I checked, there's no expi expiration date on toilet paper. So you're probably okay. There is no foolproof plan to save us from famine. But here's something I know that is an excellent idea. 26 verse 2, the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, stay in the land which I shall tell you, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. The Lord told Isaac, don't go to Egypt. So probably going to Egypt would be the wrong thing to do. Getting away from the famine wasn't God's plan. Rather, trusting God to see him through the famine is the step of faith. And the same is true for us. I suspect most of us won't have God appear to us in a dream and tell us how to deal with our current financial crisis, our famines, but staying the course and being obedient, doing the things that we know he blesses, that's the best course of action. When I was real young, I learned you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly, you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. I'm not supposed to trust in money. I'm supposed to trust in the Lord. Who said that? Who taught us that? It's Jesus, right? Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. He will hate the one, love the other. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and wealth. Jesus said, for this reason I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, know your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? Don't worry then saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? The Gentiles eagerly seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Just seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. 
That's almost as good as God appearing in a dream and telling us what to do, isn't it? Well, actually, a universal promise from God is better than a dream because we know that that is in effect not just in the current famine, but that promise of God is in effect for any and all famines for every day of our life. The Word of God does not change. In Scripture, we see God cursed people when they were disobedient and God blessed people when they trusted Him and obeyed Him. Verse 4 and 5, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands and by your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed because, why? Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. Four times he said synonymous things. I think he's really emphasizing, keep my word, isn't he? My my commandments, my statutes, my laws, and my charge. So I guess the main thing we ought to do when it comes to financial famines would be to take a good hard look at what God's word says and a good hard look at our own lives and determine, am I being disobedient? Is there something I'm doing that God would bless? Could he be withholding the rain for a reason? Could he be trying to get my attention? Paul wrote, if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. Maybe be honest and transparent with someone you trust and ask them, is is there anything you see that I need to change? Hey, Jim, you know, I'm having a hard time saving money. You know, what what could be the problem here? Well, I don't know. Let's look at your budget, Rob. Well, budget, what's a budget? Well, maybe that's the problem right there. You know, we should learn some biblical principles about what God says about money. I mean, the federal government doesn't have to worry about a budget. The rest of us do. The rest of us don't have a photocopier in the basement. We can just turn out money like the Federal Reserve does. So Isaac gets this word from the Lord. Stay here and I will bless you. Stay here and I'm going to give you all these lands, he says. Wow. Imagine God promising you, you're going to get all these lands, all your descendants. You're going to get all the land. Wouldn't that be awesome? Too bad nobody ever made that promise to us. Well, actually, he did. Do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has chosen gladly to give you The kingdom. Paul says, does any one of you, when he has a case against a neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? how much more matters of this life. Daniel writes, the kingdoms and the dominions, the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high God, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom in all dominions, serve and obey him. Here's some stuff that the kids were singing earlier. Revelation chapter five, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and break its seals. You were slain, purchased for God, With your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will, what? Reign upon the earth. One more, Revelation chapter 2. Only hold to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the, the nations. 
One day we Christians inherit the whole earth and we rule with Jesus. So keep that in mind when you feel like you've missed out on opportunities of maybe owning property or owning a home or some folks have lost their homes or some folks had family homesteads and inheritances that just passed them by. I could take you to Nova Scotia and I could show you acres of big, beautiful farms that my great-grandfathers own and I didn't even get one building lot as a family inheritance. It all passed me by, but that's okay. I don't stress about that. One day I'm going to inherit it all back anyways for all of eternity and I won't have to pay one dime of tax on any of it because my heavenly Father is going to give it to me all. I mean, this is part of the gospel message. Don't forget that. It isn't just that Jesus is saving you from hell. You're inheriting the kingdom of God. Now, some people said they really enjoyed the hymn sing, right? All the people did the hymn sing. Raise your hand if you enjoyed that. Right, Mike, lots of people telling me lots of things. I even saw uh, some, some couple were tailgating. They were so excited about the hymn sing. They're having a picnic just waiting for it. I wanted to join them, but they didn't have enough to feed me. <laughs> You didn't do this hymn, but I asked the first service, so I know you didn't do this hymn. The hymn writer said, I'm satisfied with just a cottage below, a little silver and a little gold. But in that city where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one that's silver lined. Though often tempted, tormented, and tested, and like the prophet, my pillow is stone. And though I find no permanent dwelling, I know he'll give me a mansion of my own. So don't think me poor, deserted, or lonely. I'm not discouraged. I'm heaven-bound. I'm just a pilgrim in search of a city. I want a mansion, a harp, maybe electric guitar, and a crown. I got a mansion just over that hilltop in that bright land. We'll never grow old. And someday yonder, we will never more wander, but walk the streets that are pure as gold. God promised Isaiah, stay in the land and your descendants will inherit it all. And Isaac didn't get it all. We're going to see that in a minute. He didn't get it all. And the nation of Israel, they didn't get it all. And uh, that promise was an eternal promise made by God that was going to be kept in all of eternity. So guess what? Years later, thousands of years later, well, they're there now. Took a long time, but they're there. Your greatest rewards, brothers and sisters, are stored up for you in eternity. Eternity. So don't put all your effort into getting big, full barns here. Solomon wrote, you work hard all your life and you die and some fool ends up getting it all. That's vanity. That's Ecclesiastes. Everything's vanity. You work hard and you never know what it is. It's going to get it and waste it all on you. So there you go. That's what happens, which is why the wisest people plan for eternity. There's no curse there. Also, not only is there no curse there, but there is a curse now. On top of the curse now, we also have to contend with people working against us. Look at verse number 12. Genesis 26, verse 12. So Isaac stayed in the land, sowed in that land, and he reaped. The same year, in a famine, hundredfold, God blessed him. And the man became rich and continued growing richer until he became very wealthy, for he had possessions of flocks and herds and great household, so that the Philistines envied him. Now all the wells which his, father, his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines, stopped them up by filling them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar. 
and settled there. It says in verse 13 that the Philistines begin to envious of him. It's wise not to flaunt your wealth. Remember when we were little, we were told, don't let people know how much money you got in your wallet. Be careful pulling your money out in public. We don't want people to see how much you got in your pocket because people are envious. And given an opportunity, they'll take what's yours. And if you have more than them, somebody's always going to want it. That's why we have this commandment that God says, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not covet. Envy. And there's always this element of distrust of fear that comes with the spirit of envy. Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us. You are too powerful. You're too powerful for us, Isaac. We can't compete with you. It's reported that billionaire Bill Gates has been buying up farmland in America. What does a software engineer need farmland for? Hmm. What conclusions do people immediately come up with? Well, he's probably got a game plan to get richer. He's doing it for power and control of the food supplies. I know this game. We play Monopoly. The goal is to own the entire board and everyone pay rent to you. And in the end, everyone goes bankrupt and you own everything and then it's game them over. Right? We played that game many a time. It usually ends up in a fight. <laughs> so that's the Philistines' concerns with Isaac. He can produce in a famine. He's reaping a hundredfold. He's got all the food in the flocks and we're barely scraping by. They don't know how he's doing this. And people fear what they don't understand. It says here, all the wells his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, the Philistines stopped them up. Why would you do that? Why would you destroy wells? Abraham built them. So that means Isaac has a claim over them. So... If I can't have those wells, then nobody can have them. That's why they stopped them up. Because they didn't want Isaac to be blessed and have them. Let's just destroy it, which is a really stupid thing to do when famine hits. Because now you've destroyed water supplies. Now you don't have any water and you kind of die without water. Sort of like when you burn down your own community or you rob a store so much in your city that it goes out of business and leaves. That's the attitude that's infecting our culture right here, right now. If I can't make it, if I can't be successful, I don't want anyone to have it. Just tear the whole thing down. It wasn't always like this in America. It used to be that Americans love success stories and they admired exceptionalism. And I speak from experience on this because I grew up with this socialism that the progressives are wanting to impose. Socialism breeds the kind of mindset, a philosophy that says if we all can't have it, then nobody should have it. Everything's got to be fair. So if someone does something exceptional and gets paid well for it, the attitude of everyone in the community is not admiration, but it's envy. Now here in America, I remember this because I, you know, I used to live on the border and I watch a lot of American TV and, and it was always like lifestyles of the rich and famous. And there was always this big admiration of people doing well. And you know, you get a new truck and Americans would say, oh, that's nice. You got a new truck, hey, good for you. Oh, you got a good, you got a new race. You got a race. Hey, bud, good for you. Not where I'm from. No. You get replies like this. You got a race? Must be nice. Must be nice. Nobody else got a race around here. Must be nice. Or like you did something wrong or something suspicious. 
Americans used to celebrate exceptionalism and admire it, believing that hard work would get you to the top. The American dream, work hard, you can build a great life, but not anymore. We now see what is happening here in Genesis 6. If I can't have it, I'm going to stop it up. Nobody can have it. Valedictorian, well, that's just going to make all the kids who didn't study hard feel bad. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Let's just get away from that award. Get rid of that. Beauty queens, well, that just means you're saying some people are more beautiful than others. That's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Let's just get rid of that altogether. Or a matter of fact, let's just call it what it isn't. This chunky dude dressed as a girl won a beauty contest. I'm not making this up. This is just, this is our society. It's no longer who's the best for the job. It's how can we create inclusion so that nobody gets their feelings hurt. You can get rid of that now. That's just very distracting. I mean, <laughs> stare at that anymore. So I decided to use this to my advantage. I'm heading up the end of the season to D.C., to the Washington Wizards, and I'm going to sue them, and I'm going to sue the NBA for discrimination against five foot seven, 52-year-olds. It's heightism, ageism, and slowism. They're not being inclusive of old, slow, short guys. There's none in the league. Not one. I've been watching it for years. There's not one old, short, slow guy. You want to know why? Because nobody will pay a dime to watch me play basketball. And matter of fact, you could come watch me on Saturdays for free, and none of you show up. Never come watch me. I don't understand. I'm very entertaining, falling around on the floor. Professional sports, that's the one area in society where people still want exceptionalism over inclusion, still want to win the Super Bowl. But we see practically every wealth in our society a stopping up of the wells. People who can't succeed in something are envious and they just want to tear the whole thing down. And like the curse, this is something that has always been a part of life, all the way back in Genesis, and it's part of life in the here and now. There will always be people envious of what you make and will try to take it from you. But if they do it directly, that's called theft. So they collude with the government and the government does it on their behalf. And that's called taxation. Whatever you earn, the government's going to tax it and take a bunch of it and then waste it on all kinds of things that we strongly disagree with. Godless curriculum that's bought and paid for and taught to your children in the public school system. Obscene presentations labeled as art. Planned Parenthood. Last year, we sent $47 billion to foreign nations, sent $2 million to China, did the same for Russia, $940 million to Somalia, $830 million to Syria, $10 billion to Ukraine. The government spent $6.5 trillion last year, and I suspect the average person in America, probably all you here, think most of that was completely unnecessary. And there's not a thing we can do about any of that. If they want your well, they'll take your well. Verse 18. Isaac dug again wells of water, which had been dug on the days of his father Abraham. The Philistines stopped them up after the death of Abraham, gave them the same name that his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, the water's ours. So he named the well Isik because they contended with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over it too, and they named it Sitna. He moved away from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it, so he named it Rehoboth. 
like the beach. So he said, at last, the Lord has made room for us and we'll be fruitful in the land. So these names are Hebrew words. Isik means contention. Sitna means strife. We will always have contention and strife in the world because it's what natural man naturally does. It's the works of the flesh. Paul writes, now the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and things like these. That's what the sin nature is prone to. And we know everybody has a sin nature. But as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be different. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving none another, as God in Christ forgave you. We got a different set of rules. It's why and how Western civilization was able to build such a prosperous culture. Why America was able to receive so much blessing. We had deep wells. The Judeo-Christian values that were foundational to our society were things that God would bless. Truth and justice. People keeping their words. Being law-abiding. Not stealing, but working hard and saving. But they, these are actions that God considers righteous and God blesses righteousness. But when we lie and cheat and steal, envy and waste, our lazy, gluttonous, immoral drunkards, these things lead to poverty and shame. And God does not bless these activities. This stuff stops up the wells. And this is what our society is becoming. So we know full well God is removing his blessings from the land and the famine is coming. Oh, we better warn everybody. We need to tell everyone to change before it's too late. That will work, you think? Actually, John writes, 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know why. Well, I know why. Do you know why the Christian elementary school got shot up by the person this past week in Nashville? You know why? because that school represented all the people who tried to warn her that her beliefs and her lifestyle was going to lead her to destruction, and she hated being told the truth. Don't tell me I'm not a pretty girl if I'm a fat dude. Don't tell me these aren't our wells, even though you dug them. What's going on? But despite all that, verse 22, he moved and he built some other, dug some other wells, they didn't quarrel over those. And he said, the Lord has made room for us and we will be fruitful in the lands. And then he went from there to Beersheba and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tents. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Here's the thing, folks. It does not matter what people, what the world tries to do to us, the lying, the stealing, the cheating, the hating, the envy. If God says he's going to bless us, then we're going to be blessed. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So will my word be which goes forth out of my mouth. I will, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The psalmist was pretty clear on 
who God blesses and who God curses. Psalms chapter one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in his season. His leaf does not wither and whatsoever he does will, will prosper. The wicked are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will, will perish. That's what it says, the word of the Lord. Our society is hell-bent on putting itself under a curse, but it doesn't have to be on you. We know and we can show you how to be blessed. Holding it right here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. By faith, men of old gain approval. So we're studying how they gain approval. You want to gain God's approval, God's blessing? I'm telling you every week how it's done, but you got to decide, do I have faith enough to believe it and the will to do it? A lot of new people come to Faith Bible Church. I feel like i got to give a refresher on this one. Now, I preached this, half prophesied this. I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but kind of felt that way because back in the old sanctuary, we were much smaller. I preached this, and I bet you some people here will remember this one. Uh, I said, God wants to pour out blessings on us. That's not even the question. It's not even the question, right? That's what his word says to us. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro upon the whole earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. It's not a question if God will bless us or not. The question is, are we willing to do the things that he blesses? You don't stand over there doing something saying, God, please come over here and bless my thing. If you want to be blessed by God, all you do is you go do the things that he says he blesses. You just go stand where he's blessing. You just do the thing that he is blessing and you get it. If you do the things that bring him glory, if you do the plans and purposes that he has for your life, many people want all the blessings. They won't do the things. Many people want the blessings, but they want to be funnels. They want a whole bunch coming in and they want to leak a little bit out. And I challenged Faith Bible Church. I said, we want to be conduits, not funnels. We just want to be a big open pipe that just stuff can freely flow through us. Freely flow. God, flow those blessings right out to the things that his plans and purpose are for. And I'll tell you what, a whole bunch of people back then believed and took that seriously. And I said, watch out. God's going to bless you if you do this. And man, I know there's people in here who will testify what God has done in their life despite financial hardships in the country and collapsing of markets and collapsing housing and pandemics and all that. Some of you have just risen above it all. And it's true. It's true. I mean, we had like, we started $250,000 budget. 16 years later, we did $1.4 million. And that is what God has flowed through here. 
as we've let it flow right on to the people and the ministries and the missions that are furthering the kingdom of God here in Southern Maryland. And that's why I always pray that. Bless and multiply for the furtherance of the gospel. That's why I always say that over the money, over the offerings and the tithes. For the furtherance of the gospel here and around the world. Because our mission is to glorify God by sharing the good news of Christ and establishing the believers to pursue God's plans for their lives. Our vision is to spiritually impact our community until everyone understands the good news. So if for whatever reason you're feeling cursed, just come join us and do what God blesses. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith, the knowledge of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is not a get-rich-quick scheme. This is kingdom-building mindset. This is the peace that passes all understanding. This is the Jesus way. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory found in Christ Jesus. So that's how we beat the curses and gain the blessings for all of eternity. Lord, help us to understand and commit our ways to you, not trusting in ourselves, but to trust in your word and to work and serve and give for all of eternity, knowing that your kingdom, that's our investment as children of God. That's what we gain. That's what we inherit. Something that goes above that never rusts, never corrupts, never fades away, kept for us. Lord, may we believe in you and all that you're doing above all else. Give us the confidence and the strength today to re restore us and relieve us from the curses and to feel the power of who we are as children of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.